University Baptist Church is a faith community striving to think critically, live creatively, and love continually in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We gather on Sunday mornings at 5775 Highland Road between Lee Drive and Kenilworth Parkway. Visit ubc-br.org or at ubcbr on Facebook for more information. I'm going to start this morning with the scripture. We're looking at different parables over the course of the next few weeks and the last few weeks. I think this parable will be one that you recognize. So we'll start by reading this morning Matthew 7, starting in verse 24. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now, I told Justin sometime last week that I wasn't sure what angle I was going to take on the sermon yet, but I could guarantee it was going to start like this. I hope that you all will join me. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Sing with me. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rain came tumbling down. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up. The rain came down and the floods came up and the house on the rock stood firm. But the foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. The foolish man built his house upon the sand and the rains came tumbling down. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the sand went splat. Good. Some of you may not have known that. Sorry, I should have had the words. (laughs) In this parable, we have two men. One who has chosen to build his house on rock, on a firm foundation, and one who has built his house on sand. With each builder, the storm comes, the rain and the floods and the winds, but the state of the house after the storm is totally different. Now, many of you, I was actually, Justin sent me this morning uh, the the actual score, the music of this song, and uh, the third verse was, um, I have built my house upon the Lord, right? our house on Jesus. And many of us have looked at this parable as an apocalyptic one, as an end of time one. If we build our house on the rock, which is Jesus, then when the storms, meaning death, comes, we're good. Well, like John said last week, if we take this and only this look at the scripture, then we can say, okay, go home. We're done, right? Um, I'm not saying that Jesus is not our rock and we should not build our foundation on Jesus. Please don't hear that. 
But I wonder if we might look at this parable a little bit differently this morning and see some hints for building a firm foundation day after day in the life we are living now. It kind of reminds me a little bit of the story of the three little pigs. Three pigs build their houses in different ways, right? The first builds it of straw, the next of sticks, and the next of brick. When that big bad wolf comes along and blows the house, the sticks the stick house falls down, the, brick the straw house falls down, and they are safe inside the brick house no matter how hard that big bad wolf tries to blow. What we build our literal and our figurative houses out of or on top of matters. And while Jesus is a good answer to everything, I want us to dig a little deeper today. If we build our lives on things that are strong, we can live out the storms of life as they come. Whether they be a job loss, a tough diagnosis, just a rough week, a challenge to our faith, a broken marriage, whatever it might be. Some of you may have heard about a situation in New Orleans where two communities Gordon Plaza and Press Park, along with an elementary school, were built on a toxic landfill back in the 70s and the 80s. 5,000 residents just recently have been given lots and lots of money because in the 70s and the 80s they were unknowingly sold homes that had built, been built on this one-time landfill. Now, I don't want to get into any of the political underpinnings of any of this, but I do want to just point this out because it feels like a really bad place to build a house, doesn't it? on top of toxic waste. But how often are we building our lives on toxic things, on trash? Obviously, we don't want to build our houses on trash or sand or anything else that is not long-lasting. But like I mentioned earlier, this is not a one-and-done situation, but rather a reminder of how we can continually strive to live. We don't say, whew, I did my duty, accepted Christ, I'm good. My life's automatically built on a rock. Woo, no more. Rather, we need to continually look at how we are living, how we're making choices, how we're putting into practice the things that we believe. This is an ongoing spiritual practice. Now, we read from Matthew today, but this parable is also found in Luke. In both of the gospel accounts, it comes at the end of a long sermon by Jesus. In Matthew, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. At the very beginning of the parable, Jesus said, Then, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, to me, this is the key. He doesn't say, believe in me and you will have a firm foundation. He says, everyone who hears and acts so this is Jesus' summary of all this stuff he said for, from verse 5 to 7. So for a, he's, he's been talking a while. He's given them all this wisdom, all these things to think about, all these things. And then at the conclusion of the sermon, he says, now you have to actually put into practice if you want to be wise, if you want to live out the storms well. This idea of hearing and doing makes me think of all the diets I've been on in my life. How many of you know by a show of hands that if you eat too many calories or too few in a day, it can be detrimental to your health? Yes, we know this, right? The next question I'm not going to make you show your hands on. How many of you 
put this knowledge into practice on a daily basis. Maybe not as many, okay, some of you do. Yeah, I, I, I'm not so good at this. We know it, but then why don't we do it? Knowledge is important, it is valuable. If we don't know this, this information, we can't put it into practice, right? But we know it, Jesus has given it to us. We have to do something about it. So it is with our spiritual selves. Now, one quick point of caution that I want to make here. This is not just about doing things. It's about obeying what's been told. This is, not about hear this is about hearing and following God's way, not just making up some stuff to look good. Just before our focal scripture today, Jesus reminds those present that doing things just to get the attention of people and not out of an act of obedience is unwise. So I don't want us to think that it's just about what things look like on the outside. Both groups are in our parable here, and they have both heard the word. They've both heard. It's just what they've done with it. Have they obeyed? Rain, floods, and winds would have been an actual weather problem in ancient Palestine. They would have related to these things that Jesus is saying. They would have wanted to be wise and build in a way that would prevent their house from collapsing. Now, for us here in South Louisiana, we worry about a little bit of flooding too, don't we? When John and I were looking for a house, we were given wise counsel by many to pay attention to the flood zones. This, not, this might not be a sure defense against flooding, as many of you also know, but it was a wise way to determine what might possibly be more safe than other areas. Even though things looked just fine when we were house hunting in July, they might not look so great come hurricane season, especially the one we had last year, which was, by the way, our first hurricane season. Thank you. Wouldn't it be great to have assurance that if we built in a certain way or in a certain place that we would be safe from the growing number of hurricanes and floods? And what would it look like for our lives to fall flat or go splat? Maybe it would look like becoming so sure of our own loving practices towards some that we become hateful to those who aren't as loving as us. Maybe it would look like moving the ethical line a little at a time in your business practices until you didn't notice how far you'd moved. Maybe it would look like loneliness in your marriage that led to a dangerous emotional relationship outside of that marriage. Maybe it would look like turning to other substances when things got tough instead of seeking out solid friends and church family to help ground you. I'm sure you've heard the idea that our true character is most seen in times of crisis. While we can't be certain about our literal homes being safe, I'd like, to take, I'd like for us to take a look at a few of the points Jesus made in the Sermon on the Mount. If he's saying, do these things, I think it probably does us well to look back and see what those things were, right? How might we build a firm foundation of a faithful life, a faithful family, and a faithful church? How do we continue to build our lives and our church wisely for the future? I think it's better for us to reassess now when the winds aren't blowing and the rain isn't coming than to wait until they're here and we don't really know what to do about them. Will we be obedient to what we've been called to? 
Will we act on the things that we believe? I'm not going to read the entirety of Matthew 5 through 7, but I do encourage you to read it this week. It is filled with so many challenging things, so many ways for us to seek wisdom and find answers. So, what can we do to build that firm foundation? How can the daily building of this kind of faith help us when the storms of life come? In our daily living of our faith, what does it look like to put our beliefs, to put the things that Jesus said into action? One belief that I have always held as important and true, something that I've, has always been very important to me, is that all God's people are worthy of love. In 2012, John and I and our girls decided to take that belief and make it action. We packed up our things, sold other things, and headed to Slovakia to minister to the Roma people. We titled our blog, Praying with Our Feet. The idea was that we'd been praying for people to know God's love and acceptance all our lives. And now we were going to put feet to that prayer. A West African proverb says, when you pray, move your feet. We would be challenged our entire nine years there to love people the way God would really love them. To live out that belief that God wants all people to come to know him. Even those who persecuted our precious friends. Even our enemies, God. Even those who are acting so nasty to other people. And God says, it, even them. <laughs> I had the opportunity during seminary to participate in the musical Cotton Patch Gospel. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that. Cotton Patch Gospel tells the story of Jesus as if he'd come, been alive and ministering in the 20th century South. It was full of all kinds of hilly, hillbilly hoedown music. It was so much fun. And I played one of the disciples. One of the most powerful parts of the story was when we sat around and listened to Jesus preach. It was, in essence, the Sermon on the Mount. As a group of seminary students, we really got to live the story. How would they have reacted if this was the first time they were hearing these things? I will forever look at the Beatitudes and the you've heard it said differently because of that experience. So here's a little excerpt from that. I will not do it in a country accent because you will not be able to hear the scripture for my ridiculous country accent. Another thing you've always heard is, love your own group and hate the hostile outsider. But I'm telling you, love the outsiders and pray for those who try to do you in, so that you might be sons of your spiritual father. For he lets his sun rise on both sinner and saints, and he sends rain on both good people and bad. Listen here, if you love only those who love you, what's your advantage? Don't even scalawags do that much? And if you speak to no one but your friends, how are you any different? Don't the non-Christians do as much? Ouch. This was hard for me in Slovakia. I wanted to love the Roma who'd been persecuted and taken advantage of, but I didn't really want to love those who were persecuting them. Maybe you believe that all people are created by and loved by God. I hope you believe this. 
How do you put those beliefs into action? Obviously, you do not have to move anywhere to do this. There are people all around us who are loved by God and need to feel this love from us. How about your enemies? How are you doing on loving them? I was talking with someone recently, and she said there was someone she used to work with that she had a really hard time with. She would call this person her enemy. So she decided to start praying for her, to really passionately start praying for this person. First, the prayer went something like, God, help me not to run into her. Help me not to lose my temper with her. And then it became, God, she must be hurting so much to act this way to other people. And then eventually it became, how might I show love to this person? She found a way to both pray with her heart and with her words and also with her actions for this person that she considered her enemy. Maybe you've held the belief that you shouldn't commit adultery or you shouldn't murder. Again, I hope we all hold that belief. This is a good and fair belief, right? But Jesus says in his sermon that we need to go further. We shouldn't look at another. We shouldn't have anger in our hearts. Now, how are we to act on these beliefs? It's a commonly held truth that our lack of forgiveness becomes our own baggage that we carry, not that the person we don't forgive carries. I've been inspired over and over by some books that I've read about how the Amish community, and many of you may have read books about this as well, how the Amish community showed forgiveness to Charlie Roberts and his family after he opened fire in an Amish school, killing five. The love and the compassion, they took up an offering to help with his funeral. The love and the compassion that they showed to his family was this amazing act of forgiveness. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's not one I would have been readily able to do. But these believers found a way to forgive this man's family for the terrible things that they had done to him, that he had done to their children. If we believe in love and compassion and listen to the words of Jesus, then we've got to find ways to deal with our anger and to forgive others. Jesus encouraged us to approach those we are angry with and reconcile as we are able. We might not be ready to attend the funeral of someone who has killed our son or our daughter, but might we work toward forgiveness and love of those who have wronged us step by step? Maybe you believe that our treasure is in heaven and that this world is not our home. I've heard this said. I, have a hard, I haven't seen it lived out quite as much as I've heard it said. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there also your heart will be. So how are we putting this belief into practice? And what about the admonishment from Jesus that we cannot serve both God and wealth? And then just a few verses later, do not worry, but seek me first. I believe these things. I really do. I believe what Jesus says. But how do I live these things out? How am I building a firm foundation by living these things out, by going and doing these things? 
I find myself accumulating a great number of treasures. And somehow life always seems to revolve around money, doesn't it? And I've been known to worry about a few things in my day. How can we seek God first and keep our wits about us when it comes to financial things and the accumulation of stuff? Maybe we don't really need everything we think we need. On the subject of worry, since I already kind of got teared up on the last story, I think this one I'll be able to do with no problem. On the subject of worry, I've been doing a great deal of full-on worrying this summer. In general, I am not an over-over worrier. But this summer, as director of our MDO, I've had a lot of worries. I've worried about teachers and students and parents and finances and all the things that go with MDO. And some days I've done a little better than others about the seek first his kingdom piece. A few weeks ago, on the day of our open house and our meet the teacher, I was driving down Burbank and there was not a cloud in the sky. There was no rain around. And there is this massive rainbow straight in front of me. It was unexplained. There's, there was no reason for this rainbow. And it's just staring at me. And I felt God say, this is going to be a good day. This is going to be a good year. I felt God saying, just seek me. Just use your gifts that I've given you and trust me. I keep my promises. Now, I'm not going to pretend that I have not since that day worried about MDO or anything else that goes on in the church. But I often remind myself that this is a time that God is showing us his promises. And we need to build on that foundation and seek him first. Seek me and all the other stuff will fall into play. Clarence Jordan of Cotton Patch Gospel said it this way, then set your heart on the God movement and its kind of life and all these things will come as a matter of course. Last one, maybe you believe what Jesus said that the peacemakers will be called the children of God. That's in the Beatitudes toward the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. How are we doing with that? How are you being a maker of peace in your places of influence? Notice Jesus didn't say a peacekeeper. This is a different thing. A peacemaker is someone who is actively trying to make and create peace in their spaces. Maybe you are creating peace across cultural divides or ethnic ones. Maybe you are the one in the office that helps people talk through things and see other people's point of view. Maybe you're the one in your friend group who doesn't pass on the negative things but tries to help people see things in a positive way. Maybe you are out making peace through being an activist about something. Keep making peace. Keep working to bring God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's in there too. Jesus challenged those present to so many things in the Sermon on the Mount. I hope you'll spend some time with it this week. The Sermon on the Mount was not a nice little sermon that people walked out shaking the pastor's hand and saying, lovely sermon this morning, pastor. But one that shook them up. It was a sermon that caused furrowed brows and more questions than it answered. And right at the end, Jesus says, if you want a life that can outlive the storms, 
then build your life on these things. These things I have told you, these things that I have encouraged you toward, the ways that we have discussed here today, these truths that I have delivered, go and do. Don't just take it all in, but do something with it. Put those beliefs into action. So what is something that you believe today? What is something that you hold as a foundation of your faith? I hope this week and beyond that you will be able to do something with that belief. Build the foundation of your life with the actions of faith and obedience. As our time of response today, we're going to do something we call sharing the journey. In sharing the journey, I want you to think about that. What is something you believe and what are you going to do with it? Turn to the person or the people around you as best you can and share with them. You'll have just a couple of minutes. Think about how you might live out a belief that you have today.